4: School of Humans.
3: People often ask me why I choose certain cases, even when I can't be sure that there will be a resolution. I believe that there's no substitute for on the ground investigation. And in Matrice's case, I felt that the answers could not be found on Google Maps. No matter which road we take, it always leads back to Dark Canyon where her skeletal remains were found. Because the crime scene was compromised, the location of the remains is one of the only clues that we have. We've established that she was seen at Bill Smith's house in Montenido. So I'm heading back to Calabasas, this time with my producer, Brandon. There are horse trails behind that property. So we've we've established how she could get from Nito up to um, the beginning of the Backbone Trail, but we still have not figured out how she got to Dark Canyon. That's the bottom line.
5: Good job.
3: That's what we're trying to do. And you'll see, and you can't really, it's one of those things that you can't see until you get up there and you are like, oh, okay, I get it, I get what you're talking about. Because it seems, you know, it seems like it'd be an easy question to answer and it's really not. Today's mission is to go down all of the possible trails that my trees could have gone down and see if there's anything that we missed. But the thing that really gets me is the fact that we know like since we started this, we know that she was alive that next day, walking around during the day. So it's like if they had just looked for her, if they had just looked and hadn't waited an entire day, they would have found her and she would be alive. And that's really sad. And finally, we hope to get on the Malibu Canyon Ranch. I'm Catherine Townsend. This is Helen Gone we We are, uh, right now, we are going up to the Backbone Trail, which is the public hiking trail. There's an access point. And we're just going to see if there's, since last time we went down through the creek bed, we're going to see if there's a way to get to the dirt roads that we just saw that seem to lead toward Dark Canyon. Um, We're going to see if there's a way to do that from the Backbone Trail. So we are still trying everything we can to find all the ways that my trees could have used to get to Dark Canyon, and to keep an open mind, we're asking again if my trees could have died in the woods. Could she have been hiking and fallen to her death, as the sheriff's department suggested in the beginning? We hiked that route to see if it's possible. Oh <sighs> man, I'm already tired. Okay, so here's there's where we are, right? Right. Um. See where it says Dark Canyon Creek? Yep. Okay, that's where the remains are. We walked, we hiked all the way, like, almost there. So...
5: It looks like on this yeah. down switchback, like the, maybe the second switchback you could get down.
3: See, because that's where we were. We were on that little... Got it. See that little sticking out yep. thing? That's where we were. So you're right. Yeah, it does look like if we continued down that dirt road, maybe there would have been a way. But it was far. It was like a, It was, like, mm-hmm. out there, though. That's why I'm just thinking maybe like, well, we'll hike a little bit and see. All right. The backbone trail zigzags through the Santa Monica Mountains. As Brandon and I climb higher and higher, it becomes harder and harder to imagine that my trees could have come this way. For one thing, she hated the woods. And according to her autopsy, she had no broken bones. If she did fall, her remains could not have ended up in the canyon at least not from here. So once we get to about here, I just want to see, like, as we go along, is there any, any little way path other down. than what we did, which we already know, we right. went down there and did it, that could have cut through. Okay. I think the answer's no, to okay. be honest. So, well, let's... But now we'll know for sure. The higher we climbed, the farther away from the remains we got. We can't find any path that deviate from this main trail that could have led my trees deeper into the canyon. And as soon as we were hiking... Almost a mile from the start of the trails into the woods, we could hear someone hammering on the top of the house. I was just you kneeling. Know, there's someone on the roof. See, so that's the other thing. So, let's say she's back here during the day, walking around all day. You don't, it's like someone wouldn't have seen her. It's the other thing that I can't figure out. Like, that doesn't make any much sense to me
0: anyway. What day was it?
3: It was a Friday. Friday? So she went missing Thursday night. Friday was the day that she was seen in the morning, for sure. And then they didn't start looking for her till Saturday. So, you know, all day. And also, if you scream right here, somebody would hear you. If we're here on a Friday, which is the same day that she disappeared. And, you know, the producer and I were here really almost on the day to the day when she disappeared. Um, There aren't many people on the trail now, but this is, I mean, you do run across people on this hiking trail. Every time I've been up here under normal circumstances, I've seen three or four people. So it just seems like more people would have seen her if she was out there for a full 24 hours.
1: What does that make you feel? Like intuitively?
3: I I don't know, it makes me feel like she, you know, whatever happened to her either happened really quickly. I mean, I don't know, maybe she didn't realize she was in danger until something, like, I guess what I'm getting at is if she fell or something like that, it seems like someone would have hurt her. If she was yelling for help laying out there dying Right. Because, like, even hyper—I mean, I guess if she was—I don't know, though. If it was hypothermic or something, who knows? I maybe mean, she didn't scream. That's the other thing, though. Like, okay, possibly if she'd been out there for 24 hours, maybe hypothermia is a possibility because of the clothes being removed. But this is mild weather. This is really—this is December. Yeah. Like, probably the, the lows at night were in the 50s. So that would have taken some time. This doesn't make sense, and if it was hypothermia, we know she was seen in that that morning, so that would mean that she pretty much had to stay out there that whole day and night with no one seeing her. I guess it's possible, but again, it feels unlikely. So the Backbone Trail is looking less and less likely. It's super steep up here, and there's just no way to veer off and down into the canyon without falling off the mountain itself. Um, her falling we're getting farther and farther away from the remains actually so uh, yeah my other producer Gabby and I took another route down when we went that way we did make it to the site where Mitrice's remains were found. We walked through the area where the backbone trail begins, but instead of climbing up into the mountains, we went down into the creek, off the trail, and into treacherous territory. And I've said before that that wasn't really like a hike. It was like a mountain climb. And we decided, in the end, that it would have been very unlikely, basically impossible, for trees to have gone that way.
0: Uh, it seems like it's easy to to see how the the landscape could get the better of someone.
3: Oh, we almost didn't make it. I mean, I'm not even exaggerating. And when I got out, um, I mean, my legs from the from my ankles to my upper thighs were black and blue for weeks because it just from stepping in those deadfalls and like getting stuck. and also, you know, I, I keep thinking, Brandon, if she did somehow stumble down there, why would she take her clothes off and just lay down and die? Like that doesn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, I was really scared in there. I, I, at one point, I got really freaked out when we saw the hoses and realized that they were probably put there by the cartel. That was really freaky. And also, the real—you could—there was no escape if something did happen to you down there because each side—it's too steep to climb, and also it's—it's it's all leaves and. Like, you can't scamper up the sides, and you can't go, you can't run. You can't run backwards, can't go forwards. Pretty scary. Cece and Rhonda have also tried to assess the terrain around the ranch property. Cece sent me this video they shot while exploring the horse trails. It's the closest they've been able to get to the Malibu Canyon Ranch property. It's a little hard to understand, but here's what it is. Rhonda indicates an entrance to the creek bed that's a little more direct. Cece asked, could you carry a body that way?
6: Rhonda pauses, I hiked
3: it. I don't think one person could do it.
4: I mean, it I don't think one person can do it. Okay, so then that would be the
6: quickest route to drag the body and drop
4: it, and the
3: most secure spot to put it, if you have it. This is the road that goes up to the Malibu Canyon Ranch, which is owned by Suze Randall. Now, Cece and Rhonda haven't ever been able to get on the Randall property. The closest Rhonda has ever come is actually the night Maitrece's remains were found. This is where the police set up one of their outposts. There's a big parking lot at the ranch. We've gotten information from several sources that there may have been people working there during the time Maitrece went missing, possibly security people or someone associated with the production, maybe even someone in law enforcement working security off-duty. Could one of them have encountered Maitrece at some point? Now, there is no evidence that the people living here had any connection to Mitrice's disappearance. But this property could be a major piece of the puzzle because of the GPS coordinates of Mitrice's clothing. The coordinates place each piece of clothing closer and closer to the house. The belt was the closest. It was found just 500 feet from the house. And remember, no tests have ever been done on this clothing which was relatively intact for having been out in the elements for as long as 11 months. This property seemed like it could have been a logical place for my trees to end up, or at least to pass through on her way into the canyon. The fact that her remains were found just 0.2 miles from the property is something I've heard a lot over the years. But that can also be misleading. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, as you were saying, you can look at an aerial map and say, oh, it's only, you know, 0.2 miles from sort of the backbone trail, the back of that property to the remains. It seems like it's just a straight line. Why couldn't she have walked it? And then you, you get out here and you look at this terrain and it's, it's mountains and um, huge drop offs. And it's sort of like it's 0.2 miles as the crow flies, but I'm not a crow and I don't have wings and I can't jump across that. That's one of my favorite expressions in Arkansas. Oh, it's only 20 miles as the crow flies. And I'm like, yeah, and how does that help me? So it's four hours in a car because I don't have wings. There's a sign here that says no trespassing. But I still need to get closer to the ridge. So we're going to have to get even more creative with how we get to the ranch. Hey, y'all, it's Catherine. As you know from Hell and Gone, crime can happen to anyone at any time. When it comes to home security, your best line of defense is your diligence and preparation. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. Obviously, we cannot control everything that happens out there in the world, but when I'm in my own home, I feel very reassured by the fact that I have a home security system. And Simply Safe is affordable, easy to use. And crucially, it's easy to get started with and then build on later as you need more functionality. They have a huge variety of indoor and outdoor cameras. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day with no contracts and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new SimpliSafe system when you sign up for fast protect monitoring. Just visit simplysafecom slash That's simplisafe.com slash Helen gone. There's no safe like Simply Safe.
7: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your
0: BBC podcasts. If you dare.
3: From day one, the day Mitrice went missing, her father, Michael, made it clear that he didn't trust the police. He remembers the day he got the call about her disappearance.
6: I I went to work one morning and I the young lady I work with and she she calls me and she says, Hey Mike, you know, I got two messages from your daughter's mother. She says, call her. And I looked at her and she, she, she has this look of seriousness on her face that I had never personally seen. So she's like, I'm serious. Like, and I was like, well, now I'm a little nervous because her mother doesn't call me like that. And so I immediately went to go, call her and she had beat me to it. Her mother had called me again and she says, Mike, you know, I think my trees is missing. And I'm like, what, wait, what, what are you talking about? You know, what do you mean you think? And so she told me everything that happened and I said, okay, well, before we jump to conclusions, let me call the precinct and let me see if I can talk to some people or whatever.
3: Michael then called the Lost Hills Sheriff Station and talked with Sharon Cummings. The jailer,
6: I said. So you know, if why, why, why would you guys release her like that? You know, I just don't understand. She's like, well, we were overcrowded and we were overpopulated. We needed to make room. And I said, well, you. So you would then just release her in the middle of the night in the wild like that? Her response was, well, we're not no goddamn babysitting organization, so it was time for her to go. So I said, "Wow, okay, well, thank you for that." And um, when that got out, uh, a lady that was actually in jail that night with my trees got in touch with us and said, "That place, you could hear a pin drop. It was not crowded." Mm-hmm. She's lying, and uh, I'm like, "Wow, you know." So that that started it right then and there that we knew something was wrong because. Uh, they were everything that they were telling us it was totally the opposite of everything
3: before maitresse's remains were found in August 2010 both her father Michael and her mother Latice filed lawsuits against the sheriff's department Los Angeles County and several officers who were on duty the night Mitrice was arrested. Latisse hired an attorney, Leo Terrell. Terrell focuses on civil rights. He's also hosted a talk show on AM radio in Los Angeles.
5: Today at nine o'clock, we filed a lawsuit. A lawsuit against the Sheriff's Department, the County of Los Angeles, and nine officers of the LA County Sheriff's Department.
3: On June 29th, 2010, Leo Terrell, with Latice and Rhonda, held a press conference to announce the lawsuit, which would span over 500 pages.
5: And we sued the LA County for one reason. They are responsible for the missing status of Mitrice Richardson. Now, the sad part about it is this should not have happened. And the LA County Sheriff Department was grossly negligent and the officers on that shift, grossly negligent, in allowing her to leave and walk out without any form of communication with her family or friends. I will submit to you that if Mitrice Richardson's name was Lindsay Lohan or Britney Spears, she would not have been afforded the same treatment. She would have been treated with royalty with a car. Now...
3: The lawsuit alleged that the police were responsible for Mitrice's wrongful death due to what they called negligence and the fact that they did not take any action to evaluate her mental state.
5: It is also quite important to know that the gist of this lawsuit talks about the mental disability that Mitrice Richardson had that night and forms the basis for why the sheriff department was negligent. The sheriff department should have held Maitreese Richardson and they had the obligation to hold Maitreese Richardson, not only as a 5150 case, which gives them the three day hold, but under the American with Disabilities Act, a civil rights violation. Later,
3: Michael and Latissa's lawsuits were consolidated into one. They alleged that the Lost Hills deputies had failed in their duty of care to Mitrice. The lawsuits alleged that the Lost Hills deputies had failed to get medical assistance for Mitrice, despite her bizarre behavior, before releasing her in the middle of the night.
5: We're also alleging in our lawsuit, there was an offer to pay that bill. Mitrice Richardson should not have been arrested. There was a willingness and an offer to pay the bill. The Sheriff Department knew that. The restaurant knew that. The grandmother said, we will pay the bill. Joffrey and the Sheriff Department failed to recognize that. I am going to find out from Joffrey if they ever allow any other person to say, oh, yeah, We'll let someone come by and pay the bill for you. Because I find it unusual for them to refuse payment. I don't understand that.
3: The legal battle only intensified after Mitrice's remains were found. Later additions to the lawsuit alleged that the LASD had moved the body against the wishes of the coroner, which would make it difficult, if not impossible, to determine a cause of death deputies denied the charges of unlawful misconduct. The community officer, Steve Whitmore, said in 2009, they had no reason to hold my trees. And he reiterated that doing so would have been a civil rights violation. Terrell made it clear that Latisse was frustrated at what she saw as stonewalling by the LAPD. So the lawsuit was a way for the family to finally be allowed to grill every single officer who had been on duty that night. They wanted answers. And they clearly felt that taking the case public through a civil lawsuit was the only way that they were going to get them.
5: This magical lawsuit will allow me to interview, depose, examine every single officer that night. In 2011, a year after Maitrese
3: was found, the depositions began. The result of these depositions was a long list of disputed facts. Michael Richardson filed 172 pages filled with points of contention between the LASD and Mitrice's family. A lot of the argument seems to be boiling down to the fact that diners at the restaurant and Joffrey's staff told police multiple times that they were concerned about Mitrice's mental state. But the police didn't seem to do anything. A handful of the disputes that Michael outlined read, the court should exercise its discretion when considering evidence where a defendant is the only witness to the fact and Miss Richardson is not alive to provide her recollection of events.
5: Let me close by saying this. This lawsuit, unfortunately, is necessary. It's painful. It's difficult to allege the claims that we have in here. There's one claim that we have in here that, that hurts Ms. Sutton. It hurts me as a lawyer. It's the last claim, wrongful death. The fact that she's been missing, the lack of information, the degree of difficulty to include that as one of the claims is hurtful and painful to the mother, but it's necessary.
3: So the depositions did nothing to repair the family's relationship with police. In fact, they did the opposite. And in the end, a lot of their questions were still unanswered. Neither Michael nor Latisse ended up going to court. Mitrice's parents received a joint settlement from the Sheriff's Department. Michael said to the LA Times, in my eyes, as a father, I didn't receive justice. My daughter's killer is still out there. The settlement from the sheriff's department was $900,000. Michael and Latisse reportedly split the money. Michael later said that about half of his money went to attorney's.
2: Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
7: The journey to a smoke free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Order online at Zyn.com. That's ZYN.com To start your new journey today with the Zyn 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical.
1: But I, Well, I mean, I, even if you were just a mixed-up traveler,
3: you drive up there and you go, oh, hey. Except we've been contacting them, like, for weeks. That's true. That's the only thing. So if we do it, I think we'll have to pretend to be a different type of shoot. Got it. Which I'm fine with. Okay. On our hike out on the Backbone Trail, Brandon and I were talking about different ways we could use to get onto the Malibu Canyon Ranch property without being suspected that we're the podcast crew. We've reached out to them over email, on the phone, and through their website without any luck. But I need to get onto that property to figure out if my trees could have gotten into Dark Canyon that way. Listeners of this podcast know that I'm an investigative journalist and a licensed private investigator. There are definitely a lot of similarities between being an investigative journalist and a private investigator, but there are also some big differences. As a journalist, I've been taught to always be upfront and clear and identify myself, except in exceptional circumstances. But as a PI, lying is not only okay, sometimes it's encouraged. It was actually a question on my California PI exam. It said, lying is fill in the blank. The choices were something like always wrong, okay in some circumstances, but actually the correct answer was encouraged. Really, there are only a few rules to follow. One, don't impersonate someone in a place of authority, like a police officer or a doctor. Also, don't impersonate a real person. So, over the years, I've developed quite a few aliases. Some of them even had their own social media profiles. I've also gone undercover. Once, I pretended to be a member of a tennis club in the Hamptons, even though I can't really play tennis. I don't choose aliases often. Under normal circumstances, I'm very open about who I am and what I'm doing. I think, in general, that's the best way to get information from people. But sometimes, as a last resort we do need to resort to some subterfuge. And in Mitrice's case, we have written a letter to the people who own the land. We've reached out over social media and asked to go on the property, and we haven't gotten anything back. But last week, when I was scouring online, desperate for some kind of a break in the case, I found out that the house on Payuma Road, the private address where police started the hike to Mitrice's remains, Is actually on Airbnb. We need to figure out if there is any way that Maitreese could have hiked to the Dark Creek area on her own. And if not, we hope that we'll find something along the way that could tell us who or what she may have encountered there. So we booked a reservation for two nights. So as this episode comes out, we'll be on that property, at the ranch, surveying the ridge, and heading up into the mountains. Hopefully, getting some answers. We'll have that next week, which is also our last episode for this season. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Hell and Gone. Hell and Gone is a production of School of Humans and iHeartRadio. It's written and narrated by me, Katherine Townsend. Our producers are Gabby Watts, Taylor Church, and James Morrison. Music is by Ben Salee. Mix is by Tune Welders. Our executive producers are Brandon Barr, Elsie Crowley, and Brian Laban. Special thanks to Chip Croft for use of footage from his documentary, Lost Compassion.
4: School of Humans. Don't wait any longer to pursue your passion for natural health. Enroll today at TrinitySchool.org. That's TrinitySchool.org.
7: From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I
5: thought in that moment, oh my God,
7: we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA.
4: He says, somebody's in the house. And I
2: screamed.
7: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime.